That is one of the tastiest guitar players of the modern era plugging in for you today on the show. He's going to play all kinds of stuff for you. Andy Timmons, episode 129, coming right at you. It really is a transcendent guitar hang with Andy Timmons today. You're going to enjoy it, and it's brought to you by Vibes High Fidelity Earplugs. What a great stocking stuffer a pair of these is for you or your friends. Because hearing damage is a problem that all musicians and all concert goers face, but most of us don't use hearing protection because most hearing protection just sort of blocks and muffles the sound. Vibes High Fidelity Earplugs are different. These are reusable earplugs designed for musicians and concert goers. Instead of blocking sound, Vibes reduces the volume of loud music to a safer and more comfortable level while still allowing you to hear every note clearly. Vibes clear design makes them virtually invisible and each pair includes three sizes to ensure they fit your ears. Vibes high fidelity earplugs are trusted by dozens of the country's top professional orchestras and college marching bands and are endorsed by PRS guitars. Need to protect your own hearing? Need a gift for the musician in your life? Use promo code GUITAR2020 to get 15% off and free shipping at discovervibes.com. Again, promo code is GUITAR2020. Gets you 15% off and free shipping at discovervibes.com. With Vibes, you can protect your hearing and still hear the music. Thank you, Vibes, for bringing us Andy Timmons today. What is up? Jude Gold here with you. Episode 129 with one of the most inspiring guitarists on the planet. I'm not joking. You know, a lot of people who know Andy Timmons would say, and I agree, that he's all 100s. You know, tone, 100% great. Chops, playing, licks, harmony, 100. Sense of humor, 100. Ability to inspire you, 100. He's just 100% inspiring, and I'm thrilled to have him on. That's a track from his Beatles reimagined record, his version of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. He did that whole album, recreated it with his own playing. And you know, Andy's been doing these super cool Saturday night things, actually two shows on Saturday, Saturday afternoons and Saturday evenings. I call them shows. They're live from his house on stageit.com. Just head to stageit to learn more, but each week he dives into cool stuff. You really ought to check one of these out. I'm sure after hearing today's episode, you're gonna wanna. This Saturday, just a couple days from now, he is doing the Beatles stuff. He'll dive deep. love Andy's playing too, man. You know, he's got so much knowledge on the fretboard and, as you'll find out today, off the fretboard too. He's got a lot of information. And his discography is huge. We'll have to do another one of these down the road because you can't even cover Andy's whole career. Andy, of course, had hits in the 90s, late 80s and 90s, with Danger Danger and 
That was kind of more of the pop metal, glam metal realm. He's done many things. Plays with Simon Phillips and Protocol. There's some beautiful records to check out, the Protocol stuff. And of course, he was musical director for Olivia Newton-John. And he's also going to inspire you to get your home studio, you know, remote broadcast, Zoom chops down because he's got his game down. Sounds great. He's got his room all lit up. He's playing today his AT model, Ibanez. You can just see that neck. It looks like it's got a billion songs in it, which it does. I've got a guitar in my hands, too, for this interview. My trusty Jeff Beck Stratocaster brought back from the dead. Well, it wasn't really dead. It had a warm-up neck on it for a couple years because, like an idiot, I stuck in a, a, I stuck a hex wrench into the truss rod, and that wrench was just one size too small. And within 20 seconds, I had stripped it out and was very bummed to realize Aside from delaminating that neck and taking the whole thing apart, not so easy to replace a truss rod nut. But when you go to NAM and you rub elbows with people, I was talking with Alan Abasi, one of the top designers at Fender, and he seemed to think they had an inventory of Jeff Beck necks, and he sent me one. And Sal Ascari, great tech around town, he works at Sam Ash on Sunset. Slapped that neck on and at 6 p.m. the night before a flight, I just played that guitar for 10 minutes like, you know what, I'm bringing this guitar, it plays perfectly. And then we got on our first gig flight since lockdown. We did a socially distanced gig all the way across the country at Foxwoods Casino. They have a great room there and it was really fun. It was a total one-off mobile gig. I even brought an Amp One from Blue Guitar, you know, designed by Thomas Blue. It's like a pedal board amplifier, very small, but 100 watts, multiple channels. Got that microtube in there for some tube tone. Sounded great, I thought, because I ran it through a Marshall TV 4x12, which I like those. They sound a little bigger. That, of course, was rented, and it was so great to play. But it was a little weird, you know, everyone's out there sitting several seats apart. Luckily, it's a big room, but this was a Jefferson Starship gig but they all have masks on. And then at the end of the show, everyone had to sit still while they, while they let the audience out like one section at a time. So if you happen to be in the distant section, you're probably sitting there for 20 minutes just before they would even let you stand up. Yeah, kind of, again, bittersweet gig, kind of like the drive-in gig we did, but it was nice on this gig to be reunited with our East Coast guitar tech, Tyler Sweet, who we work with a lot and he drove down from Boston to, to the casino in Connecticut. But after the show, you know, a couple people were asking him for, yo man, guitar picks. And he was trying to give them a couple guitar picks. Security guards up front were like, nope. Like in order to do this show, they were just so strict, which I respect, but no transfer of goods from stage to audience. Yeah, but that's 2020 for you. Let us get through this. Let live music begin again. Luckily, we always have live music for you on No Guitar Is Safe. I hope you enjoyed Mike Dawes last week. Phenomenal finger stylist on the steel string guitars. It's world class. For that, I had the Eddie Van Halen lesson where I showed you some stuff. If you haven't checked that out, check that out because there's some uh, cool tributes too from Robbie Crane and Jay Gore. 
and some playing tips if you want to dial in some Van Halen licks. Before that, wow, Niall Rogers. One of the reasons for this podcast being inspired because along with great players that I always wanted to sit down with, like Lukather, Jimmy Herring, Satriani, Jennifer Batten, Mike Scott, all people I had interviewed before, but I couldn't wait to play with in person. Andy Timmons is one of those players I'd interviewed before that I couldn't wait to have on the podcast. And wow, what a great interview. I hope you dig it. And don't forget to get a stocking stuffer at discovervibes.com. Vibes High Fidelity Earplugs. I love them because they're not too expensive. I mean, they're just over 20 bucks. And you got that discount code GUITAR2020. Use it. Free shipping, 15% off. And I like them because they really do make a difference. They don't muffle the music but they make you feel good that you're protecting your ears and if you ever lose them you don't freak out because they're not that expensive unlike when I lost my $200 molded custom in-ear plugs that I had made once anyway enough talking let's get to the rocking let's get over to Andy okay so I just started recording this yeah, right. And you are recording into your. It looks like a nice. It's not the, the the strongest level, but I think it's good. It's clean, so you can boost it on your end if you need. But if the voice and guitar are balanced, okay, then that's what you'll get. How do I pin your video? I'm sorry, man. I'm I'm a little bit of an. We're learning, man. We. <laughs> I, I, I can only imagine that most of us have come leaps and bounds as far as our technical abilities uh, out of necessity, you know. Got it. I have pinned you so that Yay. when it's... Rec- In the 50s, that means we're going steady. <laughs> You've been pinned. Before your time, because that's before my time. But I watched a lot of Happy Days growing up, so... That's awesome, man. <laughs> just saw the water boy the other day with Henry Winkler as the coach. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Love, love the fawns. He's he's still out there, man. He's still you still see him popping up all over the place. What kind of mic are you running today? This is a KSM thirty two. It's the only kind of decent mic I have, but it seems to work okay. I've asked Santa for an old Neumann, like maybe like a eighties or nineties, you know, good Neumann or something. But. Oh man, you got to connect with Santa. <laughs> I you know I, I can I can put in a good word for you. <laughs> you just got to believe, Jude. You just have to believe. Yeah, man. I was just listening to you. Got me. You got me as I was waiting for you in my other Zoom meeting accidentally. <laughs> Where's Andy? I'm going. Oh no! All right. Yeah. So you're doing the Beatles thing this weekend on your stage. We can almost jam. We just can't jam at the same time. You can take four bars, and then I'll take four bars. Exactly. The, the <laughs> curse of Zoom. That is sick. Can you yeah. play that chorus for us? It's so juicy. The way. Oh, uh, thank you. The, uh, yeah, Sergeant uh, Peppers. It's long. Yeah. Something like that. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> Any other parts of that song you like to play for us? I know. You- Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, 
I've actually been, I, you know, I, I haven't played. I, I did some staging gigs early, you know, from early on in, in the in the lockdown, et cetera. And it, it turned out I hadn't done any of the Pepper stuff since April. So I'm kind of br- brushing it off. But I've done, it's crazy. I've done 60, over 65 or so staging gigs so far since March. Yeah, and these are like every Saturday night pretty much, right? It's been actually through kind of a, a funny thing. I, I ended up doing a 2 p.m. and an 8 p.m. every Saturday. There's a buddy of mine, uh, Jarrett Reddick, who's um, a lead singer for a band called Bowling for Soup. I'm not sure if you know those guys. Heard but of they're it. like, you know, kind of cool power pop rock band. And uh, I just noticed on Facebook early on in, in the in the pandemic that he was doing these staging gigs. And I knew nothing about, you know, live streaming or, or all that, you know, kind of stuff. I said, no, I got to figure out something. Cause all my tours, like everybody's, everybody's tours were being canceled and going to be home for a while. So I, but I'd seen like, you know, 2 PM and then 8 PM. I'm like, wow, he's doing two a day on the weekends. That's great. I'll do, I'll do the same thing. And he, he kind of showed me what he was doing and hooked me up with a company and I got things going. Well, it turns out he, it, it, what he was listing on his promotion was it was 2 p.m us 8 p.m uk he's got a big fan base over <laughs> the uk so that was just one show but because i got it in my head that well you could do two a day well i'll do it seems like a lot of work but whatever so very fortunately my longtime uh, recording engineer collaborator rob wexler lives two doors down from me and he's he you know he's all things tech he, he's always got uh, uh great uh, great uh, tech support for me just a couple of doors down so he kind of showed me the ropes getting into different you know streaming platforms like uh Wirecast and then eventually OBS, which I'm using now. And uh, it just kind of spilled into this regular habit of, okay, I've got gigs every weekend and I'll, you know, That's spend great. time each week getting it together. And uh, like like I say, fortunately, with my, my neighbor, Rob, helping me on the technical end, you know, figure out how to get a better quality, you know, audio path and, and video and all that. So it's it's been, it's been a blessing. But yeah, this weekend, I'm finally, I'm, I'm, re- I'm redoing the... Uh, the Sergeant Pepper stuff over the course of the 2 p.m. and 8 p.m. Such show. Such good stuff. I love the way you, what you do with it. Now, first of all, people want to sign up and, and attend. Yeah. They go, best place is probably andytimmons.com. They can find links there. They can go straight to Stage It, which is just S-T-A-G-E-I-T.com and type in my name and then the shows will come up. What's it like for but a person who, when they watch it? I mean, they, they get to watch the performance. They get to interact at all or? Yes. Well, the, the cool thing about it is it's it's well there's a little bit of structure and they they promote it as a 30 minute show but there's also a 20 minute encore so each show is essentially 50 uh, 50 50 minutes and there's a there's kind of a, a chat board that that uh, people can access they can either look at it or not like you can x out of it if you want to just see the performer but right. yeah there's there's a lot of times where I'm I'm chatting with people in real time on the message board and uh and so it, it turns out that a, a lot of the crowd is coming, to, a lot of the same crowd is coming to every single show. There's actually a really cool community that's kind of, uh, that looks forward to this every weekend. And it's cool. They watch other shows. You know, Paul Gilbert's been on a few times on different weekends on, sta- on stage it. And uh, anyway, so it's, there's interaction personally between me and the audience. And uh, there's been times where I've done actual Q and A's where people will, they can write their questions on the board and they'll answer them in, in the order, you know, et cetera. Sounds fun. Probably people from all over the world on there. That's, that's the beauty. There's, 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 there's some regulars in Japan and Australia that have to wake up at all odd hours to, <laughs> because of the, it's like 14 hour time difference with Tokyo. So yeah, yeah there, so there, yeah, there, there literally is all over Europe and in South America. So it really is a way to, you know, everybody used to joke about, you know, opening your own Branson or, or Vegas or whatever, have everybody come to you. But out of necessity with, with COVID, that's what it's been. Wow, you're kicking ass And the, and the great th- the, the great thing is, like, you know, I finished my gig and it's like, oh, no, no tear down and, you know, what's for dinner, you know? Yeah. 
So it's it's spoiling in, in a way, but of course, you know, we all can't wait to get back out and, and do live gigs and have that 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 real personal interaction. But man, it's been a it's been a total blessing, you know. Obviously, just as a, as making a living goes, but also just I think spiritually in a way because I'm still got that gig to look forward to in, in having having that that live performance kind of aspect. You know, we all do a lot in our studios and stuff, and that's great. But the, the oddest thing though is after you get done playing a tune, you, you know, you, the the most you get is all caps, you know, typing. <laughs> applause you know it's like yeah. crickets you know it's like you, you get you're all out of breath you put everything into the performance it's like yeah. ah, i hope you got well I hope you hope you liked it i have no yeah. i have no visual or uh, you know audible reference to get a typing ovation <laughs> <laughs> exactly all caps though man that, that's serious so uh play us another beatles moment from the great sergeant oh, pepper's sh- album that you love shoot i love all of them. i don't have my slap back set up but it's, i always love doing the the of course, that the, the intro to "She's Leaving Home" was um, that was obviously done on the harp, but the harp is played just the single the quarter notes do 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 the arpeggio, but it was doubled you know in double time with a slapback. So, so if I don't have my slapback yeah. set up, I got I got to do it picking wise. <laughs> in all caps right now <laughs> i was hoping i'd get all caps on that right? that was just thank, wow. thank you jude that was just wonderful that was just a oh, hypnotic you, journey you oh, know and your tone is always you. so immaculate now first of all i love oh, thank you the way you'd use open strings as a pedal i mean is that kind of like electric gypsy How, could you play yeah play that in yeah that's i mean that's the, for for the solo solo guitar stuff which the whole pepper arranging thing kind of happened as just me trying to see if I could just as a hobby, see if I could, you know, work out these tunes. But, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the times I would, I would really need to employ as many open strings as possible to just kind of fill out the harmony, you know, like the first time I got that low E to keep ringing, but then my jacket hit it on the second time. But, uh, so punch me in at bar 37, <laughs> if you would shoot. Um, but that's always a sound I've loved. I mean, it's just, it goes back to. 
Neil Young passed on to, yeah. to you know, Mike Campbell. You know, any kind of open string droney stuff I've always liked. So that. got if you've got the, the open string as your as your root if you just head on up to that third you've got a you've got a sweet tone you know? cuz that's the that's the electric uh, electric gypsy riff you were talking about so yeah definitely a, a nod to in fact I was when that tune when that riff came it was in the early 90s and I was kind of in my danger danger years up in up in uh, living in Flushing Queens and uh but there, a book had come out about that time called Electric Gypsy, and it was a great at the time. It was one of the really great uh, biographies on Hendrix that that was available. I don't know if it's in print anymore, but highly recommended. And uh, that was just a, a title right there in, in the open. <laughs> so it's all, I'll take I'll take that. You know. Yeah, I, we had Billy Duffy from the Cult was on here. You know, he does oh, his wow. own thing with open strings. He'll be like, Yes, yes. Yeah, I'm a big I, fan. Oh, of, I just love that. But you mix it with the Hendrix, which is so sweet. Well, that was that was yeah. But no, I'm, I'm I love those riffs. Uh, that one and the uh, yeah. which directly influenced. I had a one of the few songs I co-wrote with Danger Danger back in the day was called Beat the Bullet, and uh, it's probably my most requested. Uh, It was directly related to that that uh, Billy Duffy riff on whatever that is that Firewoman. I can't. I, I think I get so. the songs confused. Yeah, but no, it's, it's that it's the the beauty of uh, a repeating riff and the harmony changing underneath it to create, you know, the coolness. You know. Yep. Anyway, um, a little bit of a Billy Duffy influence there. Well, you have a sweet tone happening today. Now I see one <laughs> amp on, but for those who are not seeing what I'm seeing, well, I see two amps. Like maybe a wait wait if, if I die there's there's a few behind me my, my yeah my normal my normal broadcasting and recording rig is the two Lone Stars and I've got I've got a couple of uh, two by twelve rectifier cabinets in the in the room next to me here this is like the upstairs of my home that I've very luckily commandeered and my wife doesn't give me heck about it sweet so this has always been kind of the studio it's like it's like a rec room and a in a guest bedroom but it's it's mainly a place for amps and guitars and, and you got the and, nice ambient lighting behind the mesa cabinets and the marshall heads and the, uh, thanks yeah the thanks to heads. my son who has he had the, the cool hue lights in his bedroom i said like, man i need to steal <laughs> some of those for behind my amps to have a little bit you know because as as the as i was doing more and more live streams like well, we got to spice it up a little bit you know try to get a vibe happening so it's just and even before that i was recording you know video content from my guitar experience.net site and so we had the black curtain up just to try to because right. behind that's a white wall, and it's just not not the best look for for yeah. the video stuff we were doing. Probably sounds better with the black curtain too. It, you know, I don't know. It might, but yeah, usually the amps are, are in the other room. So, but oh yeah, so you yeah, got your cabinets might've... in the other room. Yeah, yeah. I've just got a couple of uh, Mesa two twelve rectifiers and a couple of fifty sevens. That for this, that what you're hearing now, they're running into a couple of old Brent Averill Neve twelve seventy twos, and I'm just combining all that into a you know. A hi-fi Mackie, <laughs> cheap little, cheap little mixer, and that's that's how I do the live streams. I'm combining you know two channels of audio from my laptop that I've got here, and then two channels of guitar, and then my my vocal, or if I've got acoustic guitar. Sometimes I do playing and singing. Um, oh man! For some fun, yeah, I did a few nights where it was like just all Beatles, which is something I've always done. I just haven't done it in front of a lot of people. 
Um, this guy never, I never thought much about my singing, but I don't know. You know, they can't throw rocks at me over the internet, so I get away with it somehow. You know, <laughs> yeah. but it was fun. I did a bunch of Beatles. I did a couple of Tom Petty nights. You know, you don't need and, any chicken uh, wire over Zoom. <laughs> exactly. You don't need any chicken. Exactly that. Precisely. So, no, you got to yeah. sing us like a little tiny bit right now. Oh God! Oh my God! Uh, that, now, now you're really putting yeah, me on the spot. Is, I don't know if I've seen you sing a tune. No, Andy is safe at this point. Well, what do you want to hear? What, uh, what, what I need uh, inspiration here. It could be a Petty or Beatles or anything. Stephen. Oh, I'll sing one I wrote. How about that? Oh, Great. In fact, I did a Hendrix gig uh, last weekend. Let me tell you a story, everybody. Here we go. I woke up one morning. No, uh, it was, um, <laughs> John, well, the, the great John Lewis had passed away. Yeah. And... Uh, we got the news the morning of one. I was going to do a Hendrix show, and I and this little riff came. It was, like, I was kind of thinking about John and this 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 is basic kind of feel happened. sounds okay (laughs) (laughs) yeah no that sounded beautiful what a beautiful song Uh, i love it and uh what is your quick you know quick signal path here is that just the amp and then some effects in the loop or yeah okay this is my normal if if it's a cleaner broken up tone it's usually my carl martin um i have a dual compressor that i worked on with them and it's it's not really compressing as much as it's like a loud boost um if i turn off Here's a straight amp. The, the effects will still be on it. So you can hear a significant volume boost when I hit the compressor. And it kind of drives it into a slightly broken up tone without a lot of compression. Let me get some. And then in front of that, I have a, it's an RC booster, the white, the white uh, exotic pedal. Yeah, yeah, I use one of those. So the thing about the Lone Star, it's, I love it so much, but it's, it's really low end heavy. So even on the channel, on the clean channel, I'm using as the, the pedal platform, the bass is rolled off. And then on the, on the, why well, I like the RC and it's actually in front of the Carl Martin, which is a little counterintuitive. Usually you might have the compressor first and a gain pedal after that, but because it's working as a gain, the RC seems to sound nice before it, but I've carved out quite a bit of bass on the RC as well. So it helps me get some of the cleaner kind of, if I want some of that. All the way up, it's, if I lighten up my volume, 
to lighten up my attack, and it cleans up really nice. That's with a, a treble bleed mod on the on the on the volume of the guitar too. So, which you know, mod? traditionally the say again. Which mod? Do you have like a cap on there? Or it, it's yeah. It's a it's a capacitor and a resistor in line. I wish I could tell you the micro ferrets and all that or whatever it is, but it's um it's 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 called the treble bleed mod, and I, there's a lot of versions of it you can find online. And it's essentially it helps you re, you know retain the the treble as you turn your volume downwards it traditionally kind of darkens up a bit which is nice too but you know just over time i really i use the volume a lot to get some of the cleaner tones even if the actual amp or, or pedal sounds a bit distorted it's a nice way to get it and that's another tone to have you know yeah so obviously you're playing it looks like your main at model from uh yeah Ivan, as do, do they come with those with the treble bleed mod on them nowadays? Or do you... I'm going to give you the professional answer of I think so, and I hope so. But <laughs> right, I right. Uh, I think they do. Um, so there's two versions on my guitar now. This is the the traditional AT100. This is the prototype from '94. That yeah. uh, you know it was kind of an RG body, but I wanted a, like an older Stratty style guitar, and I wanted a guitar that looked like uh, EJ's old Virginia. You know, that's hence the hence the the vintage burst. You know. Yeah, and the, but they have a, they have a new line that's called the AZ line. So now there's an ATZ 100 that actually has three, three cruisers for the first time. It's a you know an Ibanez with three singles uh-huh. coil spaced pickups, and that's a nice one too with the roasted maple neck. And uh, yeah, I couldn't be happier, man. They make really really nice guitars for me. Demarzios. Yeah. yeah, these are all Demarzios. The the cruiser, which is their kind of humbucking but single coil voiced. Um, kind of pickup, yeah, and I'm a big fan of traditional, especially the vintage single coils. But this is the, the the guitar when it was originally put together for me back, like I say, '94. I'd never heard of the Cruisers, but Bill Comiskey, who was working at Ibanez at the time, recommended them. Sure, I'll try that. And it just kind of it just kind of stuck. And part of my tone was really kind of based on that pickup. You know, when you think of Electric Gypsy and some of those tones, it's not quite vintage Strat, but it's it. It's you know inspired by that you know, but it may be a slightly more modern thing to it, and they're dead quiet, which is which is handy. But I do have a couple old strats around too that I like to you know for special things I'll break out. Don't yeah. usually travel with them, but I'll record with them and stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. you you keep that thing so in tune, which I'm saying in, in the terms of it's kind of a Stratocaster yeah. in the sense that it's got right. friction over the nut when you use the bar. Yeah, and these these yeah. things that drive us crazy sometimes, but we put up with them because we love. Our Strat style guitars. How do you keep yeah. your intonation so beautiful at all times and the, the you know open strings well, ringing? Well, thank you. It's um, I wish I had a, a, some secret special thing to tell you, but a lot of it's experience. Um, and it's something that I became even more uber aware of when I finally got to that point uh, at the time of the Resolution record, and then subsequently the Sgt. Pepper record, where I was doing a lot of. Um, single guitar track recording in that, you know, no overdubs and just the one guitar pass. So, well, you know, I was having to, you know, if, if you're that exposed, especially when you're covering a lot of chord and melody together, and so those imperfections of intonation can really be magnified. So I went, th- I tried a lot of stuff, you know, all the different systems with the altered frets, you know, compensated yeah. fret thing and all the different systems. And some, some of those things kind of solve some problems. But I always, and, and, you know, you've always got your benchmarks, and EJ is always that guy for me. And and Satriani, and, and there's, you know, some players out there, Tommy Emanuel, where they're just really in tune. And the longer you play, you play the instrument, the, the the more you realize how really truly difficult that is. 
you know yeah. one of my one of my favorite you know name dropping or or uh whatever you might call you know, when you're bragging about a certain moment that you got to have this experience you know it was um i got to know tommy emmanuel over, over the years just from different been on a few gigs together etc and he was coming to dallas and he invited me out to the show and uh i got there for sound check and he's in the middle of doing it he's in standing on the stage and he notices me in the wings he says andy come here you've got to hear this you've got to hear this and he just wanted me to stand next to him while he played he just wanted me to hear the, the sound the sound where you know he's what standing mean? Where he's standing, because he had a certain monitor, and he's got the AER amp, and it's facing away from him, and the sound engineer. It really was one of the greatest guitar experiences of my life, you know. And But part of it, he was actually playing, and I started yelling at him. It's like, <laughs> you've got auto-tune in your fingers, you know, because everything funny. was so in tune. <laughs> and, but there's a lot to that. He says, well, you've got it too, mate. You know, you've got it. And it, it's one of those things where you learn over time, your, your hands start to learn how to compensate you know intonation issues because it is an imperfect instrument as much as these all these different uh i tried the the true temperament thing too which actually freaking works pretty well oh, am i getting that right um what is the bridge uh matt blackett is helping with oh the evertune the evertune thank you very much yeah, yeah. good lord i'm bad with my name today that's a pretty cool system i mean there's there's some there's some uh you know little things that you give up but uh so all these things are tools that, that can help in certain ways, but it just always goes back to, you know, you should be able to do it on your own. You know, this is something that's that's a learned and acquired uh, skill over time, right? Now, as far as far as the actual setup of the guitar, there's a lot to that, you know. I don't, but I don't do that. I don't even remember the last time I lubed my nut. When was the last <laughs> time you lubed your nut, Jude? That's personal. Uh, if we could. So I'm sorry about that. I know it's a family show here. But yeah, I mean, I've, sometimes just rubbing some graphite in there or the old uh, nut sauce, as they used to call it. Yeah. Um, but I don't, you know, I, I don't do a lot of tremendous whammy manipulation. So, you know, I'll have a guitar every now and then. Like there's, there's one old strat that I have that I like to float the bridge a bit if you want to get slightly Becky in it. And there really is, there's just something about that kind of a brado that you can't do with your fingers, you know, because you're raising and lowering the pitch, not just... You know, manipulating in in in, the, in, a, in a sharpness, right? And yeah. so, yeah, you run into issues there. And I don't know how the how Jeff does it. It's like you know, it's it's yeah. beyond miraculous. Because if you were to play the open strings of the guitar after he plays it, it's probably just not even close to being in tune. But that's the thing. He knows how to compensate. He, in, he has this innate sense of where th the lay of the land, and here's how I'm going to get the sound that I want. Yeah. And his fingers and his, and his it, it's, there's such a connection. That the uh, the instrument's not an obstacle; it's just an extension of his of his impulse at the moment, you know. Yeah, and, and he's got like every single knuckle is in action at one time. Like he's <laughs> it's just true. It's things, <laughs> not even getting into the right hand of yeah, uh, the whammy and volume stuff. Yeah, that hand's got just, just as much going on as the left hand. It really does. It really does. It's truly, you know, and that's it's so. I'm so happy that, you know, obviously there's so many great um, younger players coming up, but to have these masters still active and still growing oh, yeah. that's 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 the beauty of you know guys like Matheny or or jeff or you know of so many of our our heroes that just kind of keep doing it and it's just so beautiful to have that in front of us you know oh, yeah. but again you know we, we're, we're as much of a you know as much of a product of our heroes but we gotta we have to honor all those coming up you know lighting that fire behind us too man because it's there's so much greatness being developed it's it's inspiring man now there's a do you have 
the song Gone in Your Fingers. When I first met you, when you had that song come out, we did a little video at Guitar Player Headquarters. I can't remember when that was. Could have been a couple. Well, that that resolution came out even yeah, that song was written on 9/11, but that that record came out in 2006. So yeah. it had to have been but That's a good example of And I guess I should talk about the effects in the effects loop because that's a big part of the Oh, my, my buddy Brian, I think you know, I think you know Brian Meter over the Guitar Sanctuary, right? Well, yeah, I got to give him a shout out. He proposed. That's one reason why I was waiting so long. It was like, <laughs> when I get to Texas, I know we've talked. We're going to do it, and then now, yeah. ironically, with the yeah. pandemic, we can do it over Zoom, but it's not quite the same. But it's. I was. Still just, I just figured. I figured you were going to call when you ran out of all the good guitar players. So that's what's <laughs> happened here, folks. He no. finally ran out of all the good guys, and then. No. You're ab- no, no, just- you're absolutely at the top, man. Just knowing you personally, know you're playing, and then you're, oh, the man. way you talk about guitar. So, oh no, top of the well, list for sure. You nah, got oh, it's 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 daunting because you have had all the greats on your show, and I'm I'm such a fan of of how you're doing the interviews, and when you have the chance to play with with some of these greats, it's just so great to hear you, you know, getting your chance to 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 play and hang right in there, man. It's 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 really been great. So thank you for for doing all these. It's so it's so great for all of us, man. Oh yeah, thank you for the nice words. But yeah, absolutely, it's well, a it's a but, but, calling. Getting back to, <laughs> yeah, but but Brian Meter was somebody that pointed out to me. It's like, well, you know, Andy doesn't use delay as an effect. It's really part of his sound. Right. And I and I and I kind that kind of made sense to me because it is pretty rare to hear me. <laughs> which is not a a bad thing but i mean the actual uh you know all the time based effects now i've got a bit of reverb for the first time i didn't used to use so much reverb back in the day because my my delay was always acting as a reverb I'll, i'll turn the reverb off and so this is just a it's a dual delay i've got set up in a strymon timeline And I'm basically trying, in fact, when I first got this drum and I, I set up my two deluxe memory man, uh, electro harmonics, uh, old analog delays. And I was using them in tandem to get a, the, you know, the, the traditional dotted eighth quarter note, you know, kind of, Yeah. I guess maybe originally tr- attributed to uh, David Gilmore. But the thing with the, the memory memory men how do we pluralize <laughs> memory man memory mans or memory men's music men guitars music men i think there's there's many music men out there so um yeah so it's it's basically the great thing about those old uh, bucket brigade memory man echoes was that they had the the modulation available to you on the repeat so you can you can create a bit of out of tuneness like a like a tape delay when it's kind of in that sweet spot, you know, when it's kind of the, the delays become further and further out of tune. And that's the way that I, so I spent a lot of time getting this thing as closest to those two uh, vintage units. So if you hear the delay, the, uh, the trail of the delays, yeah, just start to get out of tune at the very end. So then if you've got... To me, that's note. kind of what chorus is supposed to sound like, almost. Well, yeah, like, I mean, so it is It is chorusing, but it's not on the guitar. It's on the repeats. Yeah. So it's not so much of the, you know, the... Yeah. You know, the more of the, the traditional Andy Summers kind of thing, which I love that, too. Uh, but this just... So you're, you're retaining the purity of the no, but...
So, so I, I call it the halo. Like the, it kind of forms this ripple thing, like the old Echoplex logo. Like you see the ripple coming out from the, totally. the Echoplex logo. I love that. And so it gives me, you know, because I play a lot of melodic type of stuff. So it, it just gives you the ability to sing a bit more. It's going to give you that sustain that may not be coming from amp and guitar solely. And so I'd use it on, you know, give that ring. The, that's gone. That is so beautiful, man. <laughs> yeah, thank you, brother. Wow. Yeah, I, uh, I, I got to log in on some of these Saturdays myself. Shit. Man, come come on over, buddy. We have a good time. I saw some clips of your Hendrix stuff too, where you're picking up a Stratocaster the other night. Just unbelievable yeah. tone. Man, that okay. So that's the luckiest Strat I've ever come across. That's an eBay find, believe it or not. And that's a 65, um, but it, it had been really poorly, several times poorly refinned and had some kind of chunks missing out of the, the back of the neck. Like it's, I don't know what, I, I couldn't even figure out how it could have happened, but, but so let's just say it made it almost affordable. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cool. It was like, well, and so, but you never know what you're going to get. Cause as you know, there's vintage guitars that sound great and there's some that just don't. Right. And so, but I was able to, to acquire the guitar and uh, it was a great guy. Chad Underwood, a guy in Lexington, Lexington, Kentucky, that's really well known for his refurbishing of vintage guitars and refinishing and stuff. So I sent it to him, and he stripped. I forget what it was. Was it red? It was a red color that had another th- different red under that, underneath that. But the original color was sunburst, right? And uh, he tried to preserve the original finish, but I, I told him, said, man, I've always wanted a white strat like Hendrix was playing when he hit London. You know, you see some early, early London Hendrix pictures, and there's that white strat with a rosewood board. So he was able to do a, a nice kind of vintagey relicy finish finish on it, but it was able to repair the neck. And I, I just got lucky that the the pickups sound amazing. And uh, yeah, to to so to you know to pull out that guitar for some Hendrix is it's kind of yeah. the perfect marriage, man. But uh, but it's it's been a it's been a great session guitar for me. I've used it a lot. You know what I was going to ask you? Do you float your tremolos? Like if you press on it, does it go sharp or do you have this it? guitar? This this main guitar was on the deck forever until about three years ago. So what is that? I'm going up a whole step there, right? Half step on the G string. Because I've just I, after going through the Floyd thing in the early '90s, I just never wanted to fight a tremolo again. Even though right. I know there's like different ways of st- stabilizing that or whatever it just I, I 
I don't know. I didn't, I wasn't happy with the tone and just wanted to go back to a traditional thing. So really enjoyed going back to just a on the deck kind of setup. But after a while, it's like, you just want to at least a little bit. Let's have a little chirp in there. Yeah. <laughs> But even like like on the the white strat, sometimes I'll have that to where I can pull that G up a minor third. Yeah. Um, but then yeah, it's going to cause some some um, you know some tuning issues along the way. But boy, it sure is a f- a fun thing to to delve into, you know. Yep, totally. Get a little that. What guitar are you playing? That I can't see your guitar. Well, this one is a. Uh, it's funny. It used to be brand new. I remember when my friend got this. It was like '92. She got this. Jeff oh, is Beck's it, is it Stratocaster, Jeff Beck? yeah. Wow, cool. And now it's Very, starting to almost be like vintage. I mean, you know, ninety. I was going to say, I remember when ago. this was brand new. <laughs> I remember when I was brand new too. Is it, I'm now vintage as well. Yeah. So, man, I've always, I've always lusted after having a Beck Strat, but I've just never pulled the trigger on one. But how do you, how do you have your bridge set up? I usually have it like a minor third on the G string. It sounds like you're about to go into Nadia there. Uh, I wouldn't even try, but... <laughs> oh, man. Maybe. That, or where were you? I would not try where were you Ooh, ever. Ooh, yeah. Oh, man. Any, if you want to regale us, man, I'd love no, to hear no, no. it. But I mean, you know... <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't really consider myself to be a Jeff Beck of file in terms of having studied him, but I just, right. I've seen him like five times and, you know, it's life-changing. You know, you just see him it, once it, and... It know. is. I, it how could we not be influenced by the man who uh, plays <laughs> it mel- was real, melodies? It, my my thing was is I you know I had three older brothers and I mean from Yardbirds on you know my brother my oldest brother Mark bought every Beck project along the way all the all the group stuff all the you know the seventies with with Jan Hammer Jeff Beck I mean with Rod Stewart all all the different things and I would love that I mean I always tell people he could have stopped after Shapes of Things that he could have been already on the Mount Rushmore yeah. of guitar players with that solo. It's just pre-Hendrix feedback. You know, it's just, there was so much cutting edge things going on with him. But I had, you know, he never really connected with me on those records as much as some of the other guys that were coming out at the time, maybe that were influenced him, like Lukather for me, you know, yeah. early, you know, in, in a particular part of my life was a much bigger influence. I just always got so much from Luke with the conviction and, melodic instincts but there's i mean just everything about the way he played i i love so much and i'm sure he felt the same way about about jeff beck and gilmore and the guys that he, that he learned from but it was finally seeing jeff live because everybody would always tell me oh you got to see jeff beck live you know I'm yes like, yeah, you do. Well, okay and it was in the late 90s and it was at a time and i maybe you've had this experience too but there's different parts of my life where you know there's ebb and flow of of inspiration specifically f- about guitar you know, and I'd gone at it so hard for so many years that I, at a certain point, I heard an Elvis Costello record, and just that's all I wanted to hear. I just wanted to go back to that. You know, not so much a guitar centric, but just great songs and my Beatles foundation and all that. But Jeff was coming to town. It was on the uh, the, the Who Else tour. Jennifer was in. The, you know, Jennifer Bat was in the band, and uh, every, everybody was telling me, "Hey, he's coming. You better go. You got to go." I'm like, "Oh man, I just." I, I, for whatever reason, it just wasn't clicking for me. And the Dallas Guitar Show was happening uh, maybe a couple weeks before that. And there were these, these two beautiful uh, models walking around the guitar show going, tickets to Jeff Beck? They were giving tickets away. 
you know, what's known in the industry is papering. Maybe the sales yeah. weren't that great. So it was at an amphitheater. So maybe they're giving f- tickets away to the lawn seats or whatever just to get people there, right? And uh, so, okay, I looked up at the sky and went, I get it, God. I'm supposed to go. Here's these tickets. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, you know, I just had never been so moved by a guitar performance in my life. It was. Oh, yeah. Uh, it just been... seemed like, yeah, it just, every note had the this energy and purpose. There was nothing but, you know, by by rote. It was. He's going for yeah. it, and you're pulling for him. And then the ballads, you're in tears. You can't help it. And yeah, he it does was, craziness. Uh, it, I mean, I first saw him when I was 13. I was it was oh, the uh, dude. Arms Benefit. Oh the, wow! Um, I, what, did, what city did you see that? Because there was only like four or five gigs. San right? Francisco, Cow Palace, oh, and I wow. was just so stoked. Jimmy Page. Oh yeah. Eric Clapton and Jeff Beck. I don't really know Jeff Beck, but I'm psyched. <laughs> <laughs> and then Jeff Beck, I'm telling you, he mopped wow. up the stage with those other guys. That would have been I mean, with it Simon. A, Simon. It wasn't was a competition, but but Jeff, no, he, I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Jimmy was in his best shape at that point. Yeah, from what I, from what I hear, I, I didn't see, I didn't get to see that. I've seen some film and then stories from Simon, from you know having been. Oh, was he there? He was. I yeah, was, he would have been with. He would have been with Jeff. You wouldn't have known. You know, I was way too young. And then, yeah, I did learn one thing though. Which was Joe Cocker was there, bless his soul, and he oh. threw out his maraca, and it came yeah. right towards. Me. I was like the little kid. Oh around. wow! And all these adults crushed in, and I almost died. Oh <laughs> my get god! It. Yeah, they were fighting over it, and then. <laughs> oh shit! So then, what, a, what a way to go for Joe Cocker's maraca! If but, that's not a song title, dude, you better write that. <laughs> Joe Cocker's maraca. You're hilarious, man. <laughs> Joe's that's Cocker. fucking funny. Anyway. You can get into trouble with that. But it was funny because then like six months later, I'm at an Aerosmith concert and Joey Kramer throws his drumsticks out. And one of them, you know, stereo and one of them comes right at me. I'm like, this time I'm ready. And I caught that thing like it was Excalibur. Like I pulled it. No way. (laughs) Like I was the chosen one. It went right in my hand and I grabbed it away because I knew all these fools were going to fight over it. And they were going to come get you. They were all looking around. They were all on the ground trying to find it. It was an awesome tuck, little tuck, moment. But anyway. and roll. Do you still have it? Uh, you know, I gave it to a girl Jeez. in 1990. <laughs> but I, well, I think... I, I, hope it, I hope it was worth it. <laughs> I think I'm still in touch with her. She might give it back to me. You know, well, there you go. It's just community property. Yeah. That, that's awesome. That is awesome. Uh, my only cool... I got I got a piece of Roger Earl's slide at a Foghat show. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I have a... Not quite as, not quite as cool as Joey Kramer. I've talked show, about but. seeing Steve Ray Vaughan, but I have a confession. Oh. A big fail for me was when I was 14. Right. Uh, so I'm at the Kabuki nightclub. My elbows are on the stage right in front of him. This is his first oh. headlining tour. Oh, my gosh. And he's just blazing, man. The amps are so loud, but he's got the plexiglass in front of it. Yeah, yeah. And he drops a pick. And all I got to (gasps) do is just put, like, one knee up on the stage, kind of, like, a little bit illegal. Yeah. Just reach out. During the show or after the show? In the middle of the show. Oh, that would have been, yeah. And I'm just thinking about it. And it seemed (laughs) like it went, like, for an eternity. But I must have been only 30 seconds. And then the guy right next to me did it. Oh, no. I don't Man. think I should. I'm still. That's, I still think about this pick to this day. That's a tough. Well, you did the right thing, but yeah, that's a that's a tough. <laughs> I mean, one he had played like six songs on that pick. Man, that would oh uh. DNA absorbed pick. It's, just, it's a great oh, tragedy. Like, can we have a moment of silence? Okay, well, at least yeah. I thank you. I'll, I'll, yes. As long as you need, brother. As long as you need. <laughs> yeah. I have a sadder confession that I never got to see Stevie. Yeah, it's and a, it break it break it breaks my heart, man. I. 
I feel like I, you know, having moved to Texas in the mid '80s, um, you know, there was near misses here and there at a club or something, but never got to see him and never saw him in concert. But at the longer I lived in Texas, the more that I was, you know, became friends with a lot of the people that grew up with him, you know, or, or at least in in town at the same time, and there was decidedly a thing, you know, there was a thing of players that grew up at that time in this area, you know, it's part, you know, that you could say it must've been in the water, but it's the, you know, the geographics and the, and the, the culture. Freddie King lived here. Right. And they're, they're all these guys are playing with him. And, but there was, so there was guys like Kim Davis who God rest his soul. He was the guitar player in a band called point blank that, uh, you know, was in some of Stevie's early bands. And I, I'd heard him in point blank and there was a cool band, but I heard it, we sat in at a club together one night, and it was every bit as powerful as Stevie's style of playing. But it wasn't a guy. What I'm getting to is that they're not guys imitating Stevie, but they played that way. You know, there was just a certain Texasy thing. You know, um, obviously post Stevie, there were so many people that were you know getting things from him and playing in that way. But but I, I feel like I got to know him through some of the people that that grew up around him and in that in that area in that time, and it's. You know, it's it's a thing, man, to to behold. And there's so players around Jimmy Wallace and um, Junior Clark, some of these guys that are still around that that very much play in that way. We lost Bugs Henderson a few years ago too. So wait, so where do you live, Dallas? I'm in McKinney, Tech. I'm in I'm in uh, I originally moved to Denton when I when I moved here in the mid '80s. The Danger Danger took me away to New York for a few years, and I moved back to Dallas. But I'm in McKinney for 23 years now. It's a northern uh, suburb of Dallas, maybe 30 minutes north of Dallas. And that's where the Guitar Sanctuary is. So Yeah, there there is something in the water out there. And all our favorite guitar players have an incredible mm-hmm. tone, which you have. I'm not trying to uh, flatter well, you, but like you... Well, just... you're very kind, but I, that's, you know, I, it's, that's via Indiana. I'm not sure how I factor into the... Yeah. Well, you, you've uh, been I, marinating I, I, in it for a while. <laughs> I mean, maybe I've been so, like mad. You're soaking in it, man. <laughs> Maybe I've, I've soaked in it long enough. Maybe someone's rubbed. I I don't know what that is, but it's kind of hard for me to be. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's just something that comes through, you know. So she just hit the on switch, and it's there. And, and <laughs> I, wish, I wish it was that easy, but it was. I mean, having heroes like Stevie and, and of course Eric down in Austin, you know, these guys that have set the benchmark along the way, and I think that's what we're all trying to do. Or you know, we have this magic sound in our head that it may be a specific guy or it might be a, you know, some kind of combination of all our favorite guys with the, the, these spectacular tones that they've come up over the years. That, that I think yeah. that we're kind of, that's what we're going for, at least, in my, at least in my head, that's what's happening. It's like you kind of feel like you want to reach for that, that ultimate tone that you never really get there, but in the process, you become you. You know, by not being able to do <laughs> exactly what these other guys are doing, but yeah. that's the beauty of it, you know. That's that's I think over time that's how a lot of players develop their their sound, you know. And maybe a more specific, maybe they have a completely unique thing in mind. But a lot of times, I really feel like it's just they're trying to emulate right, their right. heroes, taking it as far as they can, you know. I mean, it like you'll do some crazy stuff, like the surf guitar version of Donna Lee. If I'm yeah, <laughs> oh man. <laughs>
that was that was a joke that that came out of a sound check with Simon Phillips. I don't think Simon was on stage, but the keyboard player Jeff Babco, dear dear friend of mine, he yeah. plays in the, the Jimmy Kimmel band now for many years. Yeah, a killer killer player and great guy and encyclopedic encyclopedic. Yeah. An encyclopedia of all things. He could tell you who played on what jazz side of, of any session and then, you know, off the top of his head play every, you know, Barry Gibb composition. And, yeah, it's just, it's incredible. So he was just goofing around on, on the keyboard. He had a little drum, you know, surf drum patch and was playing Donnelly. So I was like, oh, that's, that's freaking great. Let's do it, you know. And I'm a, I'm a huge surf guitar fan. Um, my first, my one of my brother's first records I remember growing up was the Surfaris. It was, it was post-Wipeout, yeah. but... Just had some great instrumental guitar. Their their version of Apache was I I knew that way before Shadows or, or Jurgen Ingman or any of those versions. Um, so very fond of that era and especially the Ventures when I really got into them. There's a there's a killer record called uh, Live in Japan, 1965. Oh really? And the Venture records were always kind of safe sounding. You know, they sounded pretty polished and not they're very clean, right? Well, you got to hear this live record because. Mel Taylor gets a phenomenal sound. You can just tell it's just, it's just like maybe one mic, if not two mics on the drums. And the guitar, all the guitars are and the bass are really kind of distorted because they're just... And, and and Mel's a great drummer, and I love it because he's rushing his ass off. He's just like pushing and pushing, and the guitars are distorted, so it blows away the studio records. And Noki was just... He was one of the early rock and roll virtuosos, man. The stuff he's pulling off, all the melodies he's doing, and some really kind of fun pick scrapes and techniques and, you know, playing yeah. behind the, the bridge on his moss ride to get that little pingy sound. It's it's a brilliant record. So I've actually... I, you know, one day I'll release it, but along the time I did that Donnelly arrangement, I did a whole surf record. Um, me playing all the instruments on, on some of the tracks of the Mitch Marine, my longtime... ATB drummer um, did, the, did the other half of it, so I just I don't know what I'm waiting for to release. It's just, it's just kind of a homemade thing, but it's 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 the roots of our rock and roll instrumental guitar, right? Oh, so it's kind talk of about a, playing melodies. We all, yeah, like Hank know. Marvin, right? Oh my god! But I need more reverb. Uh, give me, yeah, come on, man, get that the Benson Echo Rec going. Oh yeah. such a beautiful song that is great it's a beautiful player you know and early strat like he had to have influenced jeff beck and the people that or that totally. we think of as the high mark of and of the beatles i mean guitar. one of the early one of the songs on my surf record is called cry for a shadow and it was it's the only john lennon and george harrison composition and it was one of the tunes they did on those tony sheridan sessions in hamburg in 1961 and I, I had the most incredible. I got to meet Hank a couple of times. He's living right. in, uh, he's living in Perth, Australia. And of course, I worked with Olivia Newton John for about fifteen years. So we got to go to uh, Australia a few times. And the the shadows factor into Olivia's early career because she was dating one of the one of the shadows. And I and I don't want to get it wrong, so I won't I won't I won't right. wrongly wrong, wrongly remember. But she's still close with everybody, and so Hank came to a couple different shows, and uh, so getting to hang with him, and he was exactly Hank Marvin. He was that guy, and couldn't have been sweeter. And he just wanted to, he wanted to talk about gypsy jazz. He was really into Django at the time, and I hadn't quite got there yet. I've gotten there now, but uh, but I got to ask him. I said, well, you know, because I never heard him being addressed about you know what was it like to have the Beatles having written this tribute to you, you know, and he 
he just kind of shrugged it off. And okay, I'm embarrassed. Like Which Beatles was a tribute? Excuse oh, the, this, there's a song called "Cry for a Shadow." Oh. Really? And it's it was it was it's not one of the well known tunes, but it was on a after the Beatles broke big in '64 in the states. Um, anything they'd done previously, all, all of a sudden was gold. You know, all the all the singles that Capitol turned down, which was "Love Me Do," "Twist and Shout," "She Loves You," "For Me to You," "Please Please Me," all that got turned down by Capitol. Unbelievable. Like, I, I want I want to hold your hand. They finally said, "Well, okay, we'll give it a chance." And okay, number one. Oh, we'll release all this other stuff too. Great, you know. Even though they did come out on other American labels, they were just smaller labels. The Tolly label, VJ, Swan. I think that's it. Anyway, so there was this set of recordings that they'd done before they had Ringo, and it was backing up a, a singer named Tony Sheridan, who is uh, a fellow Englishman, but was in Hamburg doing gigs at the Star Club and Kaiser Keller. So a producer named Bert Campfort, that was well known for his easy listening strings records of the 60s, produced this group of uh, sessions with the Beatles backing up the singer. And that's how Brian Epstein found them. There was a record called My Bonnie. You know, my Bonnie lies over the ocean. My Bonnie lies over. It was just pretty average and it was okay. But the Beatles got two moments to shine. They did uh, Ain't She Sweet with John Lennon singing. But uh, I can't get the right key, but it's him singing. And then an instrumental called Cry for a Shadow. You know, I don't even remember. What was it? Anyway, it's a very poor version. I haven't played it in years, but it's worth checking out. But it's just a little go-go beat kind of kind of tune. And well, you're an encyclopedia, kind of like Jeff Babco there, my friend. <laughs> I know a couple things about a couple things, but nowhere near my my buddy Jeffy. He's uh yeah, he's amazing. Well, I love that you connect with so many guitar players all over the map, doing just about every oh. different style. Like the it. Bossa Hits record is just beautiful oh, with Sidney Carvalho. Yeah, you pronounce it Carvalho. Carvalho. Where's he from? He is in Sao Paulo. I've been and there. Have you? Oh, man. So do you? I, I just absolutely love the Brazilian people and the culture. And Oh, yeah. We went to like five cities and yeah, it was oh, phenomenal. Was that with? Uh, with uh, Jefferson Starship. Nice. and uh, That's a good way to do it. The caipirinha is the greatest drink oh, ever created. Yes, it is. I, I can agree with that. And So um, yeah, the Bossa Hits thing was a complete fluke because I... Um, there's a there's a pedal that I use my the Octavia pedal. <laughs> there's this company uh, called G and I down in Brazil, and I I was down there for a gig, and I needed an amp, and uh, this guy had a Mesa Boogie. He brought it to me, and that's how I met Sidney Cavallo, and he he happened to be a rep for this company. And gave me this pedal that had this Octavia tone in it. It was called the Multi-Fuzz or something. And it's one of those things, you know, over time, and you're in this position now, too, where people like to get pedals to you in hopes that you might dig it and that you might use it. And But this one I really dug. And uh, so anyway, I had, so I had developed this friendship with Sydney, And this whole the company started bringing me down for some clinic tours. So there was a tour maybe in 2016 that... Uh, I was I was I was back into playing a lot of jazz, you know. It got it got back into my practice regimen. Every morning I would get up and I'd put on my I Reel book and I'd play a lot of a lot of jazz, just standard stuff. And uh, so while I was down in Brazil, I thought well, I should play a bossa at every gig. And so I asked Sydney, "Hey, maybe you could you know see if there's a local player in each town that could back me up and play some bossa." He says, "Well, 
I play bosses. My my wife and my daughter sing bossa. I know I know so many songs, and let's let's I'll I'll, I'll bring my nylon and we'll, we'll play. And so we did. You know, we were doing some Joe Beam songs, and we did one called Summer Samba, written by Marcus Vallier. And, and so some clips got put up on YouTube, and not only did that guy, the Summer Samba writer, say, "Hey, I love this," you know. Another guy, Roberto Miniscal, who in in Brazil is kind of like the godfather of, of bossa. He was, he wrote a tune called O Barquinho that I knew when I was in my teens because Charlie Bird. It was a hit for Charlie Bird, and I had a lot of those great guitars records with Barney Kessel and, and Herb Ellis and, and Charlie Bird. So I always knew this tune, O Barquinho, and it was Roberto Miniscal who had written it. Anyway, so so I fi- I find out that Roberto is you know is likes what we're doing because I'm. Kind of playing in my, kind of my wannabe Matheny, but kind of bluesy style. And so Roberto reached out to us. He knew Sid. He said, come to my studio. We'll record a record. I'll produce it. We won't, I won't charge you anything. Just come. And he has this little studio. It's literally an island off the coast of Rio de Janeiro. So if you see the cover of that record, that's me and Sydney in the boat. We had to take a boat to get to the studio every day. That's awesome. It was it, it was just like, and, and Sydney was, you know, he was, because I knew some of the standardy fare, you know, uh, of some of the, the more well-known Jobim tunes, you know, Insensites and Empanema and some of these, Tristeza, Triste. Uh, but he was te- teaching me much deeper cuts in like, oh, I, I, tunes I'd never heard in such beauty with the harmony and, and melody. The content is incredible. And, and so to, to, to have this all kind of fault, we could have tried to make it happen. But uh, and then we ended up doing a tour, and Miniscal came out and played a couple gigs with us. And uh, but to be there in the studio with Roberto, who he, so he was one of the guys with Joe Beam, um, Carlos Lira, and um, Joe Gilberto. And Joe, so they kind of create. They were all hanging out in Rio de Janeiro. They created the bossa nova. So it was, it was Miniscal showing Joe Beam some of the guitar voicings. You know, so just yeah. to be in the studio with this guy that cre- helped create this, this this style of music was just incredibly moving you know and so anyway yeah. that was a that was a, a happy accident along the way so you're on a little boat with like a mesa boogie half stack going over to the studio each day <laughs> you know, i did have a, a there was a guy that brought a lone star for me there was a lone i found a lone star combo a great uh a great guitar player ricardo uh marines i think his name is ricardo marines yes killer player and so he came down to kind of help out and he brought his lone star combo so i was very I was very lucky to have it. Can you, you know. play us a little sample of a one year of a bossa melody that comes I, to I mind? Wish I, I wish I had a. Well, I could play something in a bossa style. I'll do that. I could. Yeah, the the my favorite track on there is is you know how insensitive, which is Portuguese insensitez. Yes. I, I do that with artificial harmonics and the the white yeah, strap. Yeah, yeah. I was asking. Up. I was wondering how you did that. That one is specifically that. I, I I don't have it under my fingers at the moment. 
But I could do a quick uh, morning practice routine that I do if I if I can get this to work properly. Hold on a second. I'm gonna screw this up. But uh, this iRealBook app. That's a great is app. How I, it's how I practice every morning. So. You know, there's drums and keyboards and bass, and you can you can fashion it to be any tempo and any style. But you know, trying to get a machine to sound good swinging is is next to impossible. So I normally put it either on a uh, I'll put it on a Latin setting and play kind of in a bossa nova style, um, or just put put something with bass and click on two. Well, and it's four. great just at the bare minimum is putting you through all the changes. You're playing over changes. That's it. So if I do this every morning, you know, when I wake up, at, you know, have my cup of coffee and turn, let me see what the volume is like on this. Cowbell. the things <laughs> that was all the thing i was I, I figured i better get to the melody at some point because but i figured you'd know those changes i did recognize after a while but at first i thought hey this this bossa tune has the same changes as all the things <laughs> well that's just it i mean you like you say you can pick any of your favorite standards and and just just have a go and so that that's my favorite thing to do because you know i don't have to necessarily practice licks which i don't like to do if, I, if i'm playing jazz i made a conscious decision at a certain point when I got back into doing it sometime in the last 10 years that I didn't want to just go back and, you know, you can transcribe all the Parker and Wes and, and Joe Pass and there's some vocabulary you can derive from that. And there is a, a definite bebop vocabulary that exists that sounds great. If you string it together the right way, it sounds amazing. But I was way more into Chet Baker. And it always seemed to me like I couldn't, I can't think of a Chet Baker lick to this day. There's just not one that there was always a sense of melody in real time with Chet. 
You know, it happened when he when he sang when he sang those ballads. You know, especially later in life when he was just he was a you know, lifelong junkie and just you know had a pretty horrible life. But man, when he sang "Someone to Watch Over Me," <laughs> he meant it. You know, there was such a there was an authenticity with him. But it, I really sensed it in his playing. He always had a beautiful tone, even when you know he, he had his teeth kicked out in the late '60s and he had to learn how to play with dentures, which is they just thought it was impossible. But it's why you don't hear him play a lot of high notes. He just couldn't do it. The armature wasn't there. But to me, that made him a much more pleasant trumpet player to listen to. No offense to my trumpet-playing brothers, but... Interesting. You know, sometimes they're screaming at you. I'm learning so much uh, from you today, Babco. <laughs> Thank you. That's known as a Babco, folks, when you have intelligence in any musical uh, <laughs> shape or form. No, so... But he, I really got that from him. So that's what that's what I want to do. I want to be able to navigate and play melodically, but not have to rely on licks. That was so wonderful you know? watching you play that just now. Because oh, thank for you. anyone who is listening, and you played the nice three minute version of the, all up and down that, you didn't look at your guitar once. Your oh, eyes really? were closed. <laughs> you wow. were just navigating. Well, that's yeah. that's. That, I mean, to me, that's that's been the goal. You know. I remember not this is this is related, but I remember seeing Roy Clark on Hee Haw when I was a, a kid, and just thinking, I'll bet that guy can play anything he wants. Yeah. So there's there's a freedom that happens. I mean, now that we've been playing our entire lives, you know, that trying to get to that point where again that this is not an obstacle, this is an extension, um, and just trying to connect the melodies that that I'm hearing in real time, you know. And so, but if you're if you're thinking too much, well, if you're thinking too much, there's a, there's a problem already. Now, in in the act of practice, I think it's necessary. You you need to think because you're trying to apply maybe some ideas that you're working on. And I I I heard myself do that a couple times. Oh man, I really need to play that diminished off the flat nine of the five. You know the five. You know so you, you know all these devices. There's there's intellect that can happen. But I'm I t- I talk about. Uh, I had to make up a term. I did a course for Trufar called uh, Melodic Muse, and talk about the oralect you know the, you've got the intellect we can analyze everything in a very intellectual way we can um you know t- that's okay you play the flat nine or play a melodic minor from you know the, the flat nine or, or whatever or play play this major pentatonic over this chord it'll bring out these extensions but the oralect is what what guides you melodically you know what what is giving you that sense of if you play this note what note do you want to hear next and what will it mean and how does it sound over that change and but without having all that process going, it's just a melodic intent, you know. And I think that what I kind of got down to the core of in the, the course was it's just really this collection of music that we've absorbed that we love. Like we were talking about tone earlier, it's the same thing. Like we've got this idea of what we think might be the great guitar tone, but, you know, as an improviser, you're the great Bill Evans. is a great um, a video of him in the, in the mid-1960s with his brother, interviewing him he was a jazz instructor down in louisiana and he's interviewing his brother bill who's obviously by now this renowned jazz pianist they're talking about the process of playing jazz well you know a, imp- improvisation is a minute's music in a minute's time um, as opposed to a composed minute of music could take a year you know right so but so it's 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 all it's all coming from the same place we want to play the solo that we want to hear we want to write the song we want to hear but what's what's the basis for that? The Beatles were such great songwriters because they learned an incredible amount of tunes because they were playing Hamburg for seven, eight, nine hours a night, whatever the crazy stories are. But they learned so many songs, so they have this library of experience 
there. And the longer we live and the more that we've absorbed, the more that we've loved, what are, you know, those moments I yeah. think are what we're trying to bring out, you know, in our playing and our, our writing. So I think well, that's what's going on with me when I'm, when I'm having that experience and just navigating the changes, but letting, hopefully getting to the place where it's my ear guiding me and that whatever that internal voice, that elect is, as opposed to, I could be just as analytical as, as possible, you know, and you know, break it down to all these, oh, I got to work in this technique. Oh, yeah, I'm not, I got to get some hybrid picking in. I got to better skip a string. You know, there's so many yeah. things that we can be distracted by that takes away from the pure music. And that's what I always got from Chet. And that's not, not taking away anything from any other of the jazz greats out there. But that, that's just one thing I recognized along the way that was, that's something I decided to aspire to instead of, yeah, you know, I mean, putting myself through the process of learning somebody else's sentences. You know? And Scott Henderson is looking for that in players too. He's like, okay, this player is fantastic, but I'm hearing licks. Mm. I've heard him do that lick there and uh, earlier yeah. uh, before, whereas sure. she was playing straight like yeah. in real time. Well, and I think it's it's, it's unavoidable. I mean, of course yeah. I'm going to be playing. There's going to be licks that I, that I would have done before. And I think many players will, will be repeating themselves, but it's a matter of in the moment, you know, how it... Well, yeah, it's an I mean, ideal to strive for. We'll never get 100% away. Well, yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, I remember hearing Joe Pass say that in an interview when I was a kid, you know, just like, yeah, it's just stuff I've done before. Well, <laughs> you know, he, yeah. was, he was real upfront about it. Yeah, this is just stuff. But he strung it together like nobody's business, man. It was just, it's, it's still incredible to me to watch him in videos, you know, on YouTube and stuff and just see how effortless the stuff would just flow out of him, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you recognize the bits. And that's one of those things. Well, that, that's that's a way of doing it, you know. But I just I, I just really started to tune into Chet's thing, you know. And, yeah, I, I hope – and I, I would have to go back and listen, but I'm sure I would recognize things I've done before. But there's a lot of things that I wouldn't have done before. And it's just, again, just trying to not be so aware – of of those things and just letting things happen. Hey, I love licks too, man. Either either yeah, si- either hell, side of hell, the spectrum yeah. is cool with me. <laughs> it's good. No, it's dude, good. I, 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 yeah, we all we all do, man. Of course, shoot. Well, uh, I love that your playing is doesn't fit into any one record store shelf, or you know what I mean, <laughs> or category on Spotify. Yeah. You are just Andy Timmons, uh, and you're just going well, deep in you. every direction. <laughs> so I love that about your playing and. You're very kind. And, all, and yeah, I, I think a lot of the, I don't know if that's a good thing or not. <laughs> no, yeah. Well, you know, it's like once somebody gets, like, you can't qual- qualify someone. Like, I mean, people would say Eddie Van Halen was a rock, hard rock player or a metal player. I, those of us who know him, I, I, he's so much more than just that. Or No, he's a great musician. Yeah. Or, um, I mean, certainly known for that, you know, the, the, the hard rock. and But there's such a melodic pop thing too going on it's you know there's a lot of different layers it's not heavy metal you know it's not and it's interesting what you're saying like all the greatest guitar heroes that pop into my mind like right now if we're talking about mm. Jimi hendrix stevie ray mm. vaughn van halen the beatles mm. they all paid their dues learning a million songs before they ever even got their first re- recording done they'd all played a Absolutely. million gigs and parties playing cover tunes yeah coincidence i think not <laughs> There's no replacing that kind of experience. There's really not. Yeah. I mean, and that's the blessing and the curse with the internet. You know, you can stay home all day and kind of be spoon-fed, you know, anything you want to learn. It can be shown to you, and there's probably out there now. And yeah. I, I eat those things up like anybody else, man. I'm not – and I'm and i creating a lot of content that's doing exactly that with, with my website, you know, showing you note for note my tunes. 
but it's 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 with the you know the asterisk of you try this first without the help you know you gotta you gotta put the time in with the ear because that's our most important tool as a musician you know but then again it, i guess it always depends on what what the goal is of the player it may be just they just want to only play stevie ray tunes and they only want to learn it note for note so it doesn't matter if it has the depth of knowledge behind it and the experience if they're happy playing that then that's 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 what this should be this should be yeah no you know, just find the joy love and 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 the the life enhancement tool that that it really that can be and is but, but yeah, if you're trying to, to develop your own voice, you know, you really need that foundation of what's come before and then take it to the next level, you know. But it's just developing that ear. That's that's where the, I think more innovation comes from. Well, awesome, Andy. I've definitely kept you here for well over an hour. I certainly appreciate you uh, hanging oh, thank out you, on Zoom oh, and happy, having all your to stuff it. together. <laughs> I was going to use a got different my, word, but you got your stuff yeah, that's together, okay. man. Got, got got your ducks in a row no happy to do it man i'm glad we were able to connect and hopefully we can do it in person so we can do some of the the jammings yes you know? all right well we can do a little jam just jam out I mean, can you hear my guitar right. all right i'll play rhythm does that sound good i got it kind of lagged sorry <laughs> all right the, the, the audio froze for a second so i lost all sense of of time <sighs> spoiled again by that pesky virus i know <laughs> there's gotta be i keep hearing of software they keep touting is like it's gonna be latency free and you're gonna be able to jam uh, do you have you heard of anything that actually works or does any no i mean i have not heard of anything and i still don't understand logistically how it could be possible because yeah the way that the stuff goes through the wires and travels and inter like sometimes when i put these recordings together too it's interesting because the latency of the that we're talking about varies uh, yeah, that's so just it because like you, your video started lagging so then it starts to yeah. catch tries to catch up with itself and it's very mysterious yeah so our vo our voices will be locked for a while and uh, then like 20 minutes in like oh shit yeah you'll be ahead or behind depending because yeah. i'm always rushing <laughs> because uh what am i because of the zoom factor is different on e uh. either side of our either side of our computer but you know yeah and, anyway. and, and they're very much a, at least the audio that we're conversing in now is a very much a one-way it's not really meant to have two things happening in each i don't think anyway that's what it feels oh yeah like. that's what it feels civilians like. civilians have no idea there's latency <laughs> they don't get so it. the first the first eight or ten bars might have lined up okay but i'm i can't i couldn't yeah, really, yeah. <laughs> i couldn't really hear you very well 
Uh, well, it was it was a nice effort. Thank you. Um, no problem, man. Man, just keep it alive till you're a million and five. Thanks for uh, <laughs> doing this, man. You're you're so such an inspiring cat, and I could talk to you for uh, hours and hours. Well, so. we could do we could do part part seventy eight. Yeah, this, this calls for a um for a round two for sure. Yeah, I would love, next, love next it. time you want to do it. I'd love to do it, man. I'm glad we finally got to hook up and chat a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fantastic, Andy. Thank you, Jude, so much, man. No, the time is safe.